Wait, what song is that? Use a hoe. Can I think I... it's ludicrous. I think it's Chris Chris Gaines. No, that's Ludacris Garth Brooks. Gaines. You is know, Chris Gaines Garth Brooks? Maybe. No, Chris Gaines is ludicrous, right? No, ludicrous is a black man. I know, I know, buddy. Okay. I know. I'm not asking okay. if Garth Brooks is ludicrous. Okay. I'm asking, <laughs> was Chris Gaines Garth Brooks' rock and roll name? I think so. Okay. The so edgy, that means like edgy Garth Brooks. Chris something is ludicrous. All I know is he's a little short guy. I remember him from Law and Order, and I guess he was in those Fast and Furious movies. Is that he true? He was. He was. He was. Um, he stole the role from Paul Walker in in that second. No, is he in the first one? The second one or the third one? Maybe is Tokyo Drift? No, he's not in that. Uh, maybe it was like. I bet it was the second one. Yeah, because they had Tyrese. Is that his name? Tyrese? Tyrese Gibson. Yeah. What happened to him? He's still in all those things, I think. Is he? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because right. they were going to give him and somebody else a side movie before it was uh, uh, Shobbs and uh, Edris Elba. <clears throat> Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw I right didn't there. see that thing. I would. I don't know. There's like two of them now, isn't there? I don't know. F9's coming out. I know that much. <laughs> You love that series. I have not watched it uh, since. I think the last one I I've seen is five. The sweaty one. The one where with the, the bank vaults. Sweating. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. In the Chargers. I saw that while on too much legal weed and marijuana. One. T- <laughs> I mean, in Las Vegas. I uh, I, I never looked at the, the Charger the same. You know, the certain individual we used to work with who had a Charger. Oh, now yeah. I understand because he could pull literally pull bank vaults out. With and his charger. That's how he got enough money for his real estate yeah. license. Yeah. And like that automatic shift. That was my favorite part about that one. They're like, they have the like automatic shifting knob and they're just like hitting it up. And then all of a sudden they're getting like super fast. Like it does not work that way. Yeah. In they that put it car. into low gear and yeah. then it fucking just holds ass. <laughs> Towing so, gear. Yeah. It's so fucking bad. That's the dumbest shit. And then you, the rock's like, ah, oh, they switched the vaults on me. <laughs> It's like car version of Ocean's Eleven, basically. Yeah. Um, Except not charming like Ocean's <laughs> Eleven was. Here's the other thing. So Tyrese Gibson, right? Right. Uh, he obviously, I think, was an R&B singer. Correct. Uh, I I made this joke uh, wondering why every single R&B music video has a black man in the shower, and Tyrese has a lot of music videos with him in the shower. I like the ones from Tosh.0. Why must I cry? Why must I cry? Why must I cry? Remember that one? I don't. Well, it's but a black guy one, in a shower. That's one of, 
I thought that was a Tyrese song. Uh-uh. Why must I cry? Why mm. must I cry? What is it? Why? They always have, like, a wife beater on, too, and it's just like, I get it, you dudes have, like, amazing bodies, yeah. but God damn. It was, like, the early 2000s hot-bodded men in a shower, like, it was that thing? K-Fed look, man, that Kevin Federline look. <laughs> he didn't have a good body. No, he did not. He had like a dad bod when Brittany was dating him. Yeah. Poor K-Fed. Who knows what Are he's Are they still to together? No, 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 no. Was he mean? I don't know. Or did she just go Wait, nuts? Wait, who is the guy? No, that's a guy from 98 Degrees. That's <laughs> Nick Lachey, oh, right? Oh, God, he is a douche. Yes. Yeah. He was married to Jess Simpson for a while. Yeah, took yeah. her virginity and then they broke up. Well, and then Tony Romo swooped in there. Tony Romo? Yeah? I've eaten at his restaurant. Hell yeah. Wait, no, that's a different one. That's not the NFL player. Oh, it's not? No, I don't think she's dating someone who looks <laughs> like Mario. <laughs> she's dating the the star quarterback. Oh, the, of the hot da- Tony Romo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. fucking star quarterback for the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. Yeah. That was a big story back then. Was it? Back then, Tony uh, Romo, he was still young. He's looking hot. Are they not together anymore? No. Oh. It was like a short short stint together. Never meant to be. Hmm. Never meant to be. Not Hello, sure. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumble Butt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me, as ever, is Cody. Hello. Hello, Adam. How was your week? It's good. Do you want me to tell you a quick story where I almost threw up yesterday? Yeah. Oh, man. So Were you at work? Yes. This is the first time it's ever happened where I almost threw up. Oh, like, boy. The, the scope, I was cleaning it out, and <clears throat> something got clogged in it. And when that happens, you have to use a brush and, like, force it out. And I was, like, pushing it out, and it was, like, a foot long of gunk. I don't know what it was, <sighs> but it was, like, splashing in the water. Ah. I was sitting there like, I don't get this way, but something I could feel it in my throat wanting to like just expel vomit. Yeah. And it was just, I had to like hurry and get it done and get out of there. I'm like, you ought to do expel it. it the way that tube, it was expelling <gasps> that intestinal gunk. I do not know why it made me feel so sick. But holy shit. Because it looked like a gogurt of <laughs> of poop. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god! It made me so nauseous. How did they have stuff in them? Like because they don't do their prep preparation. Well, right. then how do they? How does the doctor not say this will cost you? Come back again. Because they want money. They don't care. They want. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the doctors care, but they probably don't want to like um, schedule waste. it again. Yeah, because there's there's so many people. I know. Like there's an endless supply of people who need their butts checked. <laughs> I know online. there is. It's uh, and sometimes it's not their fault because old people have um weaker colons, and no matter how much they cleanse, it kind of just gets stuck in there. So, right. well, do your prep right, mm. ladies and gentlemen. Just mm-hmm. avoid the poop getting stuck <laughs> inside of the tube. Oh, uh, guys, I man, that made me. That made I. Oof, that that's really gonna, brutal. That's gonna stick with me for a while. That's really brutal. Mm. I can I can like see it in my head too. A perfectly yeah. formed cylinder of gunk coming out i don't even know how to describe it look like cat puke coming out of there Ooh, hachi machi <laughs> all right we're gonna get into dorothea puente let's do it part three part final the shocking conclusion to dorothea puente we'll see you Hell next yeah. week for it goodbye <laughs> no.
Uh, I want to do this correction here off from. Correction. Here. Ooh, yes. I have a correction. Yes. Uh, I, uh, uh, Pat Brown mm. was the governor of California, yes. not Pat Robertson, <laughs> yeah. the uh, television minister. So those are two different people. Yep, yep. I knew it as soon as I left here, <laughs> but uh, I, I, there was nothing I could do about it. Well, that, that was the correction I wanted to uh, go for there. So thank you, everyone who reached out to us uh, for that. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if he was a good governor or not. I guess we never found out. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, and I'm also going to welcome him to Mm. the Hall of Fame of people that I've besmirched, (laughs) including the host of uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, (laughs) those two are not fans of you, Adam. No, sir. (laughs) Anyway, um, this week we will be picking up the story right after Dorothea had just murdered her boyfriend, Everson Gilmouth, and had the assistance of a man named Ishmael Flores to dispose of the body. Now that Dorothea had escalated her criminality into murder, it doesn't take her long to start accumulating a mass amount of bodies at her boarding house on F Street. So she escalates pretty quickly here. She's the demon of F Street, my friend. <laughs> she is. I mean, when you say him, what number would you say quantifies a mass amount over six okay then yes i am right so i didn't know if there like that should that be in the double digits no six six is is a mass amount of of bodies yeah like six bodies is a lot but like six donuts is not a lot so i guess that's a massive amount of donuts if one person eats six donuts i would say you have eaten a mass of donuts what if they're mini donuts then absolutely not (laughs) Mini donuts are all about three donuts to one donut. <laughs> if you had six babies, I would call that a mass of babies as well. Right, yeah. right. Very, very true. Now, as mentioned in part two, it was the longer term residence at her boarding house that Dorothea started to view as a problem. Because they could narc her out. Exactly. And they weren't, yeah, she loves that turnover. <laughs> and as we will find out, when Dorothea views you as a problem... There's a good chance that she is looking for a way to dispose of you. Now, one of these problems was a 64-year-old lady named Dorothy Miller. Now, everybody, I apologize because we're, we're going to hear Dorothy and Dorothea a lot here. But they are two uh. different people. <laughs> Dorothy, obviously, is the Hispanic version of Dorothy. Yes. The, I think so, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the the best term from a Redditor that I think applies to people like Dorothea. Um, what did they say? They're collecting oppression points. Remember how she makes up her story about being Mexican and everything? Definitely. Definitely. That is what she loves right there. It's like stolen valor, but <laughs> stolen pity. <laughs> she loves it. <laughs> Dorothy was an older Native American woman who had developed a severe drinking problem at a young age yeah. that would haunt her throughout the rest of her life. On top of her drinking problem, Dorothy had experienced a multitude of heartbreak throughout her life, which included when one of her partners had actually died at a young age. So Dorothy is living Dorothea's fantasy life. Exactly. It's the funny thing is like even the author of the book literally says that like Dorothea probably was upset that Dorothy lived the real life that she wanted to. Fuck yeah. Right? So, 
One can only assume Dorothea had spun her fictional tales to Dorothy about the heart attack that her young husband Fred had suffered, and because they had suffered similar experiences, Dorothy believed that she had made a true friend in Dorothea. Right. Somebody she could commiserate with. Right. Because they're like, yeah, both are, I mean, Dorothea's got the baton death march. Over Dorothy. She was rescued by Fred from the fucking Baton Death March. <laughs> I don't know if Dorothy can top that. Um, but I mean, read a newspaper, lady. <laughs> nobody rescued nobody from the Baton Death March. <laughs> oh, I love that. Now, Dorothy viewed her as such a friend that Dorothy would smoke her hand-rolled cigarettes on the par- porch while Dorothy was working in her beloved garden. Wow. But as we are about to find out, Dorothea didn't share the same level of adoration that Dorothy shared with her. Mm. Now, because of the troubled life Dorothy Miller lived, she was haunted by night terrors and would be awoken frequently throughout the night. Terrifying. Because of her night terrors, her doctor would prescribe her pretty powerful sleeping pills. That's how I woke up in a laundry basket one night. Night terrors. Uh, No, sleeping pills. Oh, sleeping pills. (laughs) Okay. Ambien. I, uh, I I didn't realize I had taken them, and then I, like, forgot about it. And my room was only five steps away from the chair I was sitting in, <laughs> and I woke up a, in a laundry basket. Did you think they were Mike and Ikes or what? I, I just took them and was just like, all right, I'll watch TV until they kick in. Mm. And then apparently I waited too long and then still tried to make it to my room. But this, uh, this one guy I knew, and I don't know if this story is true or not, but he had insomnia in high school. And he, he was telling everybody that the doctor gave him pills. If he was on the couch downstairs, he took them. He would not be able to make it to his bedroom before he fell asleep. Those like, are fast acting. I yeah. don't know. Maybe if you snorted them. I, uh, that's what he claimed. This is no. what he claimed. I, I don't mean, know. they're quick. Those mm. ambience are quick. And you will. Like, you should be close to your bed when you take them. It's kind of like when you drink the uh, the poopy liquid from, the, uh, from your line of work. Yeah. Yeah, the clean-out liquid, yeah. <laughs> Take you should just be near the toilet when you drink it. <laughs> so if you're at the bar, you take a shot, pop your ambient. If you're within 10 miles, Fuck. you'll make it home. No, you <laughs> will not. Ladies and gentlemen, do not. That We can't even say that without going to prison, so do not do that. They, take your ambient when you're at your bed. Yeah, <laughs> put your nightcap on. That's right. Take not, it and go and to bed. Make sure the keys are far away. <laughs> And if you're Rosie Perez, Roseanne, if you're Rosie Perez, <laughs> and if you're Roseanne Connor, what's her name? Roseanne Barr. Oh, yeah. Don't have your phone by you either because you'll tweet She's racist lying. things. She's lying. I don't know. She She's sounded lying. pretty convincing. I, She's lying. I think she's just a racist person. I'm sorry. <laughs> she just is. Now, when Dorothea had decided to kill Dorothy, Dorothea would slowly begin to overdose Dorothy with those sleeping pills. Now, throughout the murders perpetrated by Dorothea, we are going to be hearing a lot about Dorothea's mystical apartment. This apartment is important for a few reasons. Firstly, it was detached from the rest of the home, meaning any activities that transpired in said apartment couldn't be overseen by the other residents in the home. So it was an outbuilding, kind of? So here's the best way to describe it. You have the house, right? Yeah. And to the left, there's a little stairway that leads to an upstairs apartment. 
that is um, completely shut off from the rest of the hospital. Okay, but still attached to the building? Yes. So I'm assuming at one point it must have been whoever lived in this house used that to rent it out. Like a servant's quarters or something? Yeah, or rented it or something. Perfect. And And that's where she lived. Perfect. And... As I said, this is an important place for her murders here. It's like the the people that live above their restaurants, kind of. Kind of, yeah. exactly. And I'm sure they kill people above their restaurants. No restaurants question. As Demon well. Barber of Fleet Street. Isn't that <laughs> the, what they did? They killed the people and put it in the pies? Mm. Yeah. You gotta. Secondly, her apartment was the only place in the entire house that was allowed to have alcohol. And as we will find out, Dorothea has quite a collection of different and very expensive liquors up there. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we know she is obsessed with uh, expensive things, vanity, Wealth, all yep. that. So, apparently, she had just a massive collection of expensive boozes. That's pretty cool. If you're going to yeah. collect something, that's better than collecting, like, uh, empty Jack Daniel bottles <laughs> on a on a shelf in your garage or something. You know what else she liked? Expensive perfumes for some reason. Say, yeah. I, I, I mean, that is the, that's the lap of luxury right there. Perfumes mm. are a luxury item, 100%. She wouldn't even know what to do if she saw all those commercials with J-Lo and uh, who's the other one? T-Swift, I think, has one. Mariah Carey has one. <sighs> She'd be David in Beckham. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I would buy that one. He's a yeah. pretty hot man. He's he's good looking. So when Dorothea was intending to kill someone, she would invite them up to her apartment to enjoy a few refreshing cocktails with her. And this is exactly what happened to Dorothy Miller. Presumably, Dorothea was giving her several cocktails laced with her sleeping pills, but Dorothea soon discovered that Dorothy had developed such a high tolerance to her sleeping pills, this method wasn't killing her as fast as she desired. No, she was taking them already to, like, escape the pain, so... Yeah, I think this is kind of her her first... Obviously, she killed Everson, right? Yep. And with Dorothy, this is kind of her first foyer into figuring out the right combination, I think. Sure. But Dorothy is obviously uh, pretty tough here. Yes, So instead of dying right away, Dorothy would instead fall severely ill for several days before finally passing away. Dorothea then wrapped up the body in bedding and the plastic cocoon and prepared it for disposal. Now, as I hinted at in part two, Dorothea needs to enlist the help of her very own goon to help her move and dispose of these bodies. Well, she found the perfect accomplice in the form of a hulking homeless man that is only known as the Chief. Hell yeah. We don't even know this guy's real name. Do you remember the guy that lifted off the water fountain and threw it through the window so Frank could escape the mental asylum? (laughs) Was that the Chief? That's who I assume it was anyway, yeah. (laughs) Honestly, this guy just sounds like... I don't know, just massive, like make a Hulk, a, like a big, 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 big boy. He, he's he's the bane to, to her poison ivy. It, honestly, he is. Honestly, Joel Shoemaker ripped this off. <laughs> the chief was said to be a very imposing man who had quite the criminal history, 
And best of all, for Dorothea, he despised the police. My boy. Which made him the perfect individual to do some of Dorothea's dirty work. Mm. The chief was originally brought into the home to be the new handyman slash gardener. Uh, It wouldn't be weird to see this behemoth of a man on his knees planting flowers in Dorothea's garden. He's a hell of a gardener. The gentle giant, man, I guess. What if he was the, what do you call a flower man? Er, uh, Gardener? Botanist? A botanist, sure. A botanist, I guess, there. A lot of people truly believe there would come a day when the chief would end up snapping and just straight up (laughs) killing Dorothea. This belief was due to the chief's extremely checkered past, but in reality, he was just Dorothea's little gentle giant. So, I mean, that's kind of sweet, right? Everybody wants a gentle giant in their life, right? I wish we could have gotten sponsored. This could have (laughs) been Green Giant, this little gentle green giant. Would you still buy Green Giant if you knew that he was actually burying corpses for the corporation? I bet those green beans have never looked better. (laughs) Than when he was putting those bodies under there. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, the interesting thing is that we have no idea what sort of arrangement there was between Dorothea and the chief, although it is believed that she mostly supported his severe drinking habit. Ah, you keep him him hooked, you keep him happy. That's the way you do it. That's what they think, and you're going to find out why we have no idea. Okay. Why, nobody knows. But uh, to be fair, we also cannot be certain that the chief actually helped Dorothea bury those bodies. But simply due to the location the bodies are about to be buried at, the chief would have had to almost know, because he was the gardener, and he was the guy planting fucking flowers right on top of the graves. I don't know. I feel like you probably have to know. You know where they are then. (laughs) Can you plant flowers and not realize there's dead bodies underneath No. <laughs> I don't think so. You, Because you put them there. Yeah. You're the gardener. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. After Dorothy Miller was killed, her body would be buried underneath a flower bed. A flower bed that the chief would plant. Yeah. Neighbors would claim they would witness the chief spreading around a very foul-smelling fertilizer very late at night. The perfect thing to keep the smell of a putrefying corpse concealed. I see. Mm. I thought maybe the foul-smelling fertilizer was like leftovers. Like oh, leavens. of people. Yeah. No. Apparently, this that was her way of masking the dead body smell was like really stinky fertilizer. Strong fertilizer mm. definitely... 80, Definitely would help. 86. I'm sure they had didn't have the fertilizer we have today. It probably stunk. They had that nitrate, <laughs> the stuff that McVeigh blew up the building mm. with. Definitely. Did it smell? Uh-huh. It did? Uh-huh. Okay. So. That stuff was stanky. <laughs> and it's like, who the fuck spreads fertilizer in the middle of the night? Like, yeah, come on. that's ridiculous. <laughs> come why, on. And why not just do it in the day? I don't know. What on earth? Why not do it at midday? Honestly... It's not a crime to spread fertilizer on your roses. Maybe he, I don't know. Maybe he was, um, maybe he's just, maybe strange. he just buried a body and then did it. I don't know. Maybe Dorothy is not exactly the perfect murderer here. So she is not. No, she is not. She gets away with it due to <laughs> luck, pure luck, honestly. And because people, they just were happy the homeless were off the streets. <laughs> exactly. After the murder of Dorothy Miller, the next victim was a 55 year old man. Named Benjamin Fink. You like that last name, don't you? Hey. 
Benjamin had been a homeless man who suffered from severe alcoholism and had fallen quite ill before he came into the care of Dorothea Puente. Now, Benjamin had developed pneumonia when he was living on the streets and his lungs just never fully healed. So, if Benjamin was to get so much as the sniffles, it would cause him to be bedridden. Okay. That is, I mean, I guess okay. post-COVID world, That's, we might be living in this right here. You were only expect, you're only expected mm. to heal 80% if you had it, you know? Your lungs. Yeah. Are you talking about pneumonia or uh, uh, COVID? COVID? Corona, yeah. That's not good. That's no. not great. I think smokers even heal more than that, don't they? I think so. I think Yikes. you can get up to like 90% if you quit. <clears throat> yeah, that's a little uh, terrifying. I'm sure over the next few years we're going to hear some uh, horror stories. We have to. We yeah. have to. <laughs> because Benjamin was the type of individual that enjoyed his solidarity, he didn't interact with the other residents of the home very often. Well, that's perfect for her. Now, Dorothea had a rule that the residents were not allowed to eat in their rooms. They had to eat with all the other people in the home. Family style. But with Benjamin, she made an exception due to his extremely frail condition. But she also used this as the perfect cover when she started poisoning his food. It's so easy. You can do it from anywhere. <laughs> like the anywhere dude never from leaves walking. His exactly. If the dude never leaves his bedroom, if he's dead in there, like nobody's going to... Go in there and check on him, right? Easy peasy. Yeah. Once Dorothea started dosing Benjamin's food with some sort of medication, I think it's sleeping pills, but we don't know for sure, he died almost immediately. And like all three of her other victims at this point, Benjamin was wrapped up in the bed sheet and plastic cocoon. His body was then taken and buried underneath a flower bed outside in the garden. Now, the reason we're kind of vague on these murders is... Dorothy never officially confesses to anything. So I'm assuming this is kind of they find the bodies later and kind of build the story. And people are like, oh, yeah, he used to live here. And then he just disappeared on this day. And that makes you know sense. What I'm like yep. piecing it together that way. Uh, that's all you can do if she yeah. doesn't admit to anything. <sighs> and the it. chief doesn't admit to anything. No, the chief ain't talking. I promise you that much. Apparently, once the murder started and Dorothea's little system of ensuring that a chunk of her residents were always coming and going from the boarding house, it proved to be a little too effective because the house was starting to become more and more desolate. People were leaving at a much faster rate than they were coming in. <laughs> Dorothea was still scouting the local bars to recruit potential residents. Feeling like she just wasn't getting enough people that way, Dorothea decided to contact some of the individuals that she knew during her time as a nurse's aide to see if some of the terminally ill patients wanted to come live with her at her boarding house. In Dorothea's mind, not only were the terminally ill patients not going to live for that long under her care, but also they were the ones who received the highest amount of benefits. Sure. So this is kind of, I think in her mind... She can kill them really quick. Yeah. And keep getting that money without anybody realizing they're dead. It's all wins. Yeah. yeah. It's so fucked up, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Now, because of Dorothea's seemingly endless greed, she got a little sloppy and almost got caught. Uh-oh. 77-year-old Betty Palmer had come to live at the boarding house after she had fallen ill and had so 
many medical bills, it eventually led to her losing her house. That's so sad. Come on, dude. <sighs> I we love gotta, America. We gotta fix. It's still this way. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, can we fix this? This is 1986, guys. <laughs> And this poor old lady lost her house because of her medical bills. It's yeah. fucking insane. And is now going to get murdered by Dorothea Puente. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, healthcare system. Yep. Jesus. One day, Betty noticed that Dorothea had been opening her mail and handling all of her monthly checks. In Betty's mind, she could totally understand why some of the residents in the home needed Dorothea to handle their finances. But Be- Betty felt... She didn't need any assistance in that department. You know, there is some, to give credit, Yeah, there's some residents. There's who, mentally ill. Right. Can't, un, can't not be dependent at all. Right. Betty, 77-year-old boss-ass bitch. She don't need no Dorothea fucking with her. Mm-hmm. This is probably the leading reason why Betty didn't head directly to the police and instead opted to go to her local bank and require that a photo ID be provided if anyone tries to cash any of her checks. Now, keep in mind, Dorothy does not know this yet. Gotcha. After Betty confronted Dorothea about tampering with her money, the two women got into a bit of an argument. Dorothea was insistent that none of her residents would get special privileges like cashing their own (laughs) checks. (laughs) How fucking... <laughs> what a special privilege. Oh, my God. You will not cash your own check in this house, young lady. Unable to reach a conclusion to their argument, Dorothea asked Betty to come up to her apartment tonight. We'll have a few drinks and talk this over like civilized people. Yep. I'm, that's exactly what's going to happen. I can already tell. They say I have foresight. I'm like yeah. a gypsy. You, you can tell what's going to happen oh, here? Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. So, on the night of August 18th, 1986, Betty Palmer would make her way up into Dorothea's apartment. Dorothea started handing Betty several cocktails laced with sleeping pills, profusely apologized for causing a scene, and telling Betty everything that she wanted to hear. Before long, Betty would collapse onto the floor after the sleeping pills finally did their job. Well, I was way off. I really thought I had the foresight They were just going to be like teamwork. Yeah. Yes. We did it. We solved all our problems. Now we're moving on to something else. Dorothy and Betty are just up there doing lines of coke talking about how to solve the world's problems here. So good. 1986. (laughs) I am glad we are, uh, you know, we're inching towards modern times. Next week we'll be balls deep in the 20s again Ooh. but i like being in the 80s yeah the 80s is a interesting time in certainly America. but you know bumblebutt we love we love the old old we old do time. i don't we know what him. that's about we just do i don't know it's fat he, i i th- i've been trying to understand this and i think for me i just it's like when you watch humans how they acted back then and you just cannot fathom how you believe that was like the right thing to do that thing always, that perplexes me with people in like ancient times. It's like a zoo. It's like yeah. Westworld. You yeah. see ancient people. Like if the aliens sit and watch us as like a sitcom, I feel like that's how we observe people from like the 1800s or early 1900s. I just crazy. know we're going to get factory farmed. We are going to get treated the way we treat our food by the aliens. <laughs> I know this for a fact. You and Phil, you don't trust them. I don't trust the aliens. You don't trust They're them, not alien. here to do good. They're not here <laughs> to do good. You don't know that. I do know that. <clears throat> Anybody here is here because they ran out of resources, and that's Very why they're true. here. Once Betty was out of commission, 
Dorothea summoned the chief for assistance. Now, the murder of Betty Palmer is unique from all of Dorothea's others because they didn't end up wrapping her in that bedding and plastic cocoon. Perhaps out of pure rage, they decided to instead dismember her corpse. Ah, here we go. The chief would bring different saws and chisels, and the two of them would remove Betty's head, cut off her hands, cut off her feet, and cut off a good chunk of her lower legs. That makes sense, right? Mm. Like, cutting the legs off makes sense. I've never understood taking off the hands and feet, though. I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you just cut the legs and arms off so that way you could... Fingerprints. May- sure. Maybe. Oh, wait, didn't they fold? Are they not going to fold it all up in the package and cut Mm-mm. the barrier? No. Mm-mm. They get rid of the hands and feet? Well, that yeah. makes a little more sense. Yeah. That's a little more uh, cartelish. The thing, The thing about this one is, since she only murders this person this way, I kind of wonder if this wasn't like... Because uh, they were fighting. He's like, I'm going to teach this bitch a lesson. This has anger written yeah. all over it. That's what it is to me. I Obviously, she's never going to admit to that, but that's what it sounds like to me. Anyway, the chief would then take all the dismembered pieces of her body, minus the torso, and bury them somewhere far outside of the city limits. I don't even think they found those pieces wow. ever. Yeah. The torso, on the other hand, proved to be a little bit of an issue. The following day, on August 19th in Sacramento, they must have been experiencing a little heat wave because all the neighbors chose to hang out during the nighttime. Sure. Meaning they were completely unable to dig in the garden without drawing the neighbor's attention. So the two of them decided to bury the torso of Betty just a few feet from the sidewalk leading into the front house. Uh, how did they oh. not notice that? Let me tell you. You would assume the residents would be like, why is there freshly turned dirt here, right? Well, yes. Dorothea covered the grave with a statue of St. Francis of Assisi. I oh. think I said that right. Do you know anything of St. Francis? I would guess he's not like the guy who covers up torsos of people. You wouldn't think so. No. No. Is he? Could he be that saint? The saint of tor- headless torso. Right now, he is. Okay. Certainly. <laughs> Standing over one, he certainly is a saint of uh, a torso. But in reality, if you see the statue, okay, of St. Francis of Assisi. Call the police. You should. You wouldn't, would, or would you, are you going to automatically assume there's a dead body under there? Now? I'll tell you what, I don't know what, I wouldn't know St. Francis from St. Joseph, <laughs> to be God's quite honest with you. Yeah, I don't know what he does. I just know he has ass in his name. Yeah, yeah. Get, Almost it, twice, kind let, of. Let me translate it for you guys. It says, ass, yes, yes. Ass, yes, yes. <laughs> ass, CC. <laughs> now, because there certainly could have been some suspicion about the disappearance of Betty Palmer, because she and Dorothea had just been seen by others in the house arguing, Dorothea showed a little restraint and decided to not try to cash Betty's checks at least for a few weeks. When she decided to finally cash those checks, Dorothea was a little surprised when they required her to, to provide uh, ID. Bitch. But always the con woman, Dorothea just went home, took the ID of Betty Palmer and modified it to have Dorothea's picture, picture on it. Wow. And then just returned to the bank and kept cashing those checks. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you could do that in the 80s. That's amazing. Yeah. 
What a Dude, bitch. in the 80s, sometimes they didn't even have pictures on their licenses. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> and it's like, what's the point in having a license? Here's the thing. Like, did they not? I suppose she could have went in and be like, oh, shit, I forgot my ID at home. Let me go get it and mm-hmm. then come back. But, yeah, that's. God, what don't a they bitch. know her if it's like a local bank? But, yeah, I guess we don't know if it's like a city bank or something. Yeah, I don't know what bank it is. They, we, all we know is she came in and said, you need ID to cash these. Don't know. Now, sometime during February of 1987, 77-year-old Leona Carpenter was set to move into the boarding house. Now, Leona had just been recently discharged from the hospital after having brain surgery. Leona had been battling cancer and had just had a tumor removed from her brain, and Dorothea was sitting with open arms ready to take care of poor Leona. Yeah. The ambulance drivers who had dropped off Leona claimed... They were shocked by how Dorothea Puente had rolled out the red carpet for poor Leona. Dorothea would go way above and beyond for Leona, waiting on her hand and foot. Now, this is interesting because it appears that Dorothea was only doing all of this for Leona so she could be a little sympathy vampire. That's what Uh, I'm going to call it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. If you have some disabled person or whatever the person who's take care of them you always comment them too you get that perfect you get that second hand second hand crippled sympathy ah god i don't know poor poor leona i just feel so bad for all these people now i'm not certain if dorothea had always intended on killing leona or not oh yeah but within just two weeks of her arrival dorothea would kill her oh yeah Leona had been taking an excessive amount of medication after her surgery, so when Dorothea started slipping her just a few extra pills all the time, Leona died almost immediately without ever realizing that she had actually been taking, like, so many extra pills. Sure. She she was already probably close to the lethal dose, and then it didn't take much to slip over. Like, I don't know what level her brain cancer was or anything, but... I can I can imagine they are pretty loose with the oxys if you have your skull <laughs> cut open and they take a tumor out of your brain. Yeah, I mean, look at um, Saw 3, when after the Jigsaw. Yeah. It was pretty intense. Or the guy in the Nick, who they cut out his addiction part, oh. but it turns out that's not a real thing. No. And he just crippled that man for life, turned him into well, a vegetable. I, he was before that, wasn't he? Huh? He was before that, right? No, he was fine. He oh, he was, was like, fine before yeah. that. Because they never show him talking. Yeah, they just, just show him like crying. And... Yeah. Yikes. In the case of Leona Carpenter, Dorothea had already known when she was going to die because Dorothea had prepared Leona's bed with plas- a plastic sheet underneath the bed sheets prior to her death. So it was just like a hotel maid just coming to clean up the like i know that's really morbid but like literally i don't like when someone is really drunk right you're gonna pre-get them a waste basket so they can puke in there instead of on your furniture it's like basically what she did here yikes um after the deed was done the chief would bury her body between a tree and a fence in the backyard interestingly it seemed that dorothea must have been preparing to either move all of the previous bodies or was preparing for additional bodies because Dorothea instructed the chief to start demolishing the greenhouse in the backyard and prepare 
to have that entire area covered in concrete, which will really help conceal all of those bodies. Definitely. Yeah. If you concrete over it, for sure. She's got an end game here. That is for certain. Other problems began to arise during 1987, particularly from two residents who had recently moved into the boarding house. The first was a woman by the name of Carol Durning. Now, Carol was not happy to find out that Dorothea was trying to control her money. So Carol began to literally run to the front door when the mailman arrived <laughs> just so she could snatch her social security check before D- Dorothea could get her hands on it. I like to imagine they're both sprinting for the door as the mailman shows up. This mailman's like, man, this, these <laughs> these ladies are nuts. These fucking old biddies are strange. <laughs> and Carol had become a champion for some of the other residents, making them start to question, why did Dorothea Puente need to control so many aspects of their life? The seeds of revolution are sown, brothers. Honestly, (laughs) Carol's her little... uh, Her little Hugo Chavez. Yeah, her little Fidel Castro here, basically. (laughs) Carol's behavior might have emboldened 62-year-old James Gallup. After James was just discharged from the hospital, he was placed under the care of Dorothea Puente. James Gallup had survived cancer and survived a heart attack within the last year. Hey, that's my ma. Is it? Yeah. Hell yeah, Dorothy. Well, maybe she's got a little James bit. James Gallup? Yeah. I just little... hope there's no Dorothea Puente around. No, keep your mom away from boarding, <laughs> boarding houses, houses in Sacramento. <laughs> All right. Please. Especially if they're ran by an old lady. Please. Uh, and James didn't seem to have any time for Dorothea's games. James started to demand the money he was receiving. Otherwise, he was going to call the police. Woo. The last thing Dorothea wanted was the police coming around her house, especially because she had a nice small collection of corpses mm-hmm. back there. Now, you'd expect Dorothea to just outright murder James, but that also proved to be a problem because James... Wanted to control not only his money, but also his medications. Mm, smart man. In the beginning, James allowed Dorothea to distribute his medications, but found they're making him awfully sleepy. James knew something was wrong, so one day when Dorothea arrived to give him his pills, James literally yelled at the top of his lungs that her medication always made him so sleepy, and I'm not going to take them anymore. So... It sounded like he yelled this just to rile up the other residents, Hell basically. Yeah. So James, big dick James here, he ain't fucking around. I mean, the, it's full flame. He's <laughs> Mockingbird now or whatever. You don't fuck with James Gallup, buddy. Mocking Jay. <laughs> what if he literally suck his fingers up, like <laughs> the three fingers up, and all the other residents like stuck him up? <laughs> Revolution, brothers. Let's do it. Mount Dove on your wheelchairs. Let's go. <laughs> Not wanting to cause any disturbances with the other residents of the home, Dorothea decided to put a fork in murdering James for now. She's going to kill him with a fork? (laughs) That'd be a pretty brutal murder, wouldn't it? As for Carol, actually, you know what? Speaking of that, um, what is the... Is that Super Mario RPG where there's a little monster with that ginormous fork? Yeah, he's the the chef. The chef. Yeah. He could probably kill you pretty quick. Oh yeah. That fork that's, that's like, like a trident though. Yeah. 
when does okay when is the point when it stops becoming a fork and starts becoming either a pitchfork or a trident that's the problem isn't yeah. it yeah that's really the problem <laughs> that thing looked like a super big fork yeah but isn't that just a pitchfork now because nobody can put it's when you can't put it in your mouth anymore that's when it's not a fork anymore. That's bullshit because you could put four sh- shrimp kebabs on that bitch and eat them off of the fork. Out of the pitchfork. No, I'm talking the full fork has to go in your mouth. Oh, okay. That's when it's a food fork. Well, maybe for like Roseanne, she could get that bad boy in there. Ooh, Roseanne could. <laughs> she could double fist. As for Carol, Dorothea probably did try to kill her but never got an opportunity because sometime in July of 1987, Carol had had enough and moved out of the boarding house. Of course, Dorothea just told everyone that she had actually decided to evict Carol. Uh, you didn't leave. Upper I evicted you, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't like Carol very much. Almost immediately after Carol had moved out, Dorothea decided it was time to kill James Gallup. Mm. Now, because James had become wise to Dorothea, it proved to be difficult for her for her to kill him in secret. So Dorothea got bold when it came to poisoning the food with sleeping pills. <laughs> the reason this was so risky was that James was eating the poisoned food at the same table along with all of the other residents. Yep. If he died right there at the table, there was a good chance that Dorothea would have been exposed. I would say, I hope... Some of these idiots yeah. would figure it out. Not to call them idiots. They're all vulnerable people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I, don't know. They obviously didn't, but I don't know. But after dinner was over, the rest of the residents went into the living room and listened to music. That was kind of a pastime that they always did in the house. That's a good after-dinner activity. It's very old person activity, right? Yeah. Come on here, Dorothy. Let's listen to some tunes and Let's get. This the... I don't know. Getting wild in here. Oh yeah, it's 1986. I was gonna say. I wonder if uh, our old con man was on the radio at this time, but not a chance. <laughs> no, 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 not not yet. Um. So this is the interesting point. We don't know if James either made it to his bedroom and then died, or if James fell asleep at the table or died at the table after they left the room and then was taken to his bedroom, we don't know. But either either way, when nightfall came, James was placed in a cocoon and the chief buried the body outside in the garden. Gotcha. So they didn't know what was going on. I guess if you're elderly, sometimes you just fall asleep at the table. My grandpa did it a lot, so maybe they didn't think of yeah, it but was did, weird. Did the chief ever have to carry him to his recliner? I'm sure he did if he's like the only big hulking man in the house. No, I mean your grandpa. Oh. No, no you just they shake just, him. They just, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> honestly, they just let my grandpa sleep there until he woke himself up, to be honest. Like, towards the end of his life, he would have his friends playing cards. He would just fall asleep while he was playing cards. So, you know what? I get Hell it, yeah. dude. I Hell get yeah. it. Hell yeah. Rest in peace, Gramps. Rest in peace. Rest in power. With all these bodies in her backyard, the smell was starting to get the attention of the neighbors and their other residents in the boarding house. Dorothea always had a preloaded excuse for the smell that ranged from it was just the smell of her fertilizers. It was dead rats underneath the floorboards. That's my favorite one. You should sweep those up. (laughs) It was sewer gas 
which is very dangerous, by the way. If you have that, <laughs> get that shit checked out. Or it was just some other type of stinky drain in the house, I guess. Like, really? She uses the dead rats under the floorboard thing? Like, you can't just leave them there, yeah, can you? Yeah, that's a serious health hazard. Yeah, like, I guess it's the 80s. Maybe they're just cool with, I mean, Gacy. No, it's not the 1910s. It's yeah. not cool. I mean, Gacy had all them kids under his floorboards, and yeah. nobody asked any questions. So, well, I don't think they saw him, and I don't think he would go around saying, "Oh, don't mind the smell; it's thirty-one kids under my fucking crawl." Don't space. mind it; just dead kids under the floorboards. <laughs> it's not a big deal, guys. Not even a big deal. <laughs> but this problem was about to be solved because the chief had moved all of the bodies to where the huge slab of concrete was about to be placed, and as a token of her appreciation. The night before the concrete was set to be laid, Dorothea invited the chief up to have some fancy cocktails with oh, her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets to have some of that top shelf booze this time. Hell, yeah. Now, we have no idea if the chief had made regular visits to her apartment, but with a man who loved to drink as much as the chief, when Dorothea made his cocktails using top shelf liquor, yeah. it was probably quite the treat for him. Oh, it always is. Mm-hmm. When you're drinking well whiskey mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. every night and then you finally have enough to afford like some Gentleman Jack, that's <laughs> you're uh, all over it. I mean, it's the biggest treat you can have. <laughs> the one thing that he could never anticipate was that Dorothea Puente had poisoned all of his drinks. He's the most useful person in the mm. entire fucking <laughs> world. What on earth? She's got her own lurch that does whatever yeah. she fucking wants. Yeah. This is how you know she is a cold-hearted son of She's a bitch. She's stupid. She's yeah. really dumb. <laughs> the man who had helped her conceal so many of her other murders now found himself dying in the exact manner Dorothea killed all of those other people. Why? After he was dead, the chief was wrapped up in a cocoon and buried alongside the other bodies where the concrete was about to be laid. The reason believed that Dorothea went about murdering her loyal henchmen was because not only would all those bodies be concealed under the concrete, but also would be the last person who could finger Dorothea as a murderer. You're not going to stop. Did she have grand desires of quitting murder? Uh, In her head, she probably did. What a stupid fuck. If you're going to keep doing this, you need the chief. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he he was black. I mean, I don't think so. It could be a situation like that, too. I don't know. We don't we have no idea because she won't talk about it. God, she's a fucking mafiosi. Really? Right. I mean, she's (laughs) no loose ends. No, zero loose ends with Dorothy. Jesus, maybe she just watched Goodfellas and was like, man, I got to get on this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was 80s, right? Or was that 90s? Yeah, well, it starts in the 50s, goes into the 70s and 80s. No, no, I mean the release of the Goodfellas. That was, yeah, 80s, yeah. Okay, all right. I think. The following morning, Dorothea alone handled the pouring of the concrete slab. So you see, the chief had already set up all the wooden borders to make it nice and easy for her to lay her concrete. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. Can you imagine? You're like, oh, look, Dorothy, I've made it all nice. The concrete goes right in, nice and easy. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to be dead in that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Dude, when you have those boxes up, that that's seriously, that takes all the guesswork out of it. You just fill it up and drag your two by four across to smooth it out. And you're Dude, fucking... uh, where I work now, right across the uh, street, they were, we watched like the construction of... <laughs> 
this like dental office and we would sit out there and watch them lay the concrete interesting it is very interesting to watch them lay that quite unique oh yeah now when the chief disappeared people would have certainly asked some questions but because of his nature being that he was a severe alcoholic if the chief left on a wild rager nobody would even have batted an eye because they expected him to do that you know what i'm saying yeah they either expected him to kill her or just go off on a drunk and just wander off into the night right so After Dorothea murdered the chief, her murders would slow down, but Dorothea certainly wasn't going to stop murdering people because her lust for money could just never seem to be quenched. For the love of money! Uh, Who's greedier? Who's the greediest person? Greediest fictional or non-fictional person, you know? Well, I don't want to be hack. Cruella DeVille. Tronald Dump. (laughs) It's Tronald Dump. Tronald Dump? <laughs> Tronald Dump. No, he gave all his money away to save America. Stop picking on him. In October of 1987, a woman by the name of Vera Martin had just moved into the boarding house. The exact same day that Vera moved into the house, Dorothea helped Vera place all of her belongings into an empty room. Then Dorothea immediately invited her up to her apartment, where she started handing out her famous laced cocktails, then patiently waited for the drugs to take their effect on Vera Martin. Jeez, not wasting any time. (laughs) No. Now, even though Dorothea didn't have the chief anymore, she seemed to be able to convince one of her other long-term residents to dig a hole for her outside. Homer Myers had been living at the boarding house for over two years, but always just stayed quiet and remained fairly obedient to Dorothea. Interestingly, Dorothea had tried to give Homer paperwork on several occasions that would give her access to cash his social security checks, but Homer would always just misplace them. It is believed the only The only reason Dorothea didn't kill him was because she believed he was too dim-witted to be any sort of a threat. But truly, he probably could have been pretty smart and manipulative. Well, that's why he... he kept losing his his control forms. That's what I'm saying. He's actually like a fucking genius. Yeah. And now he's replaced the dim-witted chief. (laughs) For one hole. For one hole. For one hole. Homer's a one-hole guy. He doesn't do more than one hole. Oh, man. Yeah, I, th- I thought they had a future together. <laughs> no. But Dorothea was able to convince Homer to dig a six-foot hole in the ba- in her backyard. Her reason was that I'll they... dig a six-foot hole in your backyard. Her reason was that they would be planting a large peach tree in the backyard. Mm. After the huge hole was dug, that same night, Dorothea would drag the body of Vera Martin down her stairs and throw it into that hole. And now while Dorothea has quite a stockpile of bodies in her backyard at this point and almost seems like she'll just never get caught, like most other serial killers, there comes a point where they slip up and get caught. They get too cocky, you know? Right. They really, they just get sloppy about it. And Dorothea's next victim is one that will lead the police to her front door. This individual was named Alvaro Bert Montoya. Uh, Bert was a Puerto Rican immigrant that was developmentally disabled and suffered from schizophrenia. I am Inigo Montoya. You have killed my father. Prepare to <laughs> Do die. Do you know who the hell is that? 
Well, that's from uh, Princess Bride. Ah, I you know I'm sad to admit I haven't watched the whole thing. Oh, that's a goodie. I've heard a lot of people say it's very very good. Oh, I think it's on the Disney Plus. Mm, on the Disney. I think it's okay, on the Disney. Okay, Grandpa, <laughs> are you gonna fall asleep during your euchre game tonight, Gramps? <laughs> Sit on that. Turn on that Disney, son. I think it's on the Disney. <laughs> While Bert wasn't an alcoholic or drug addict. With nowhere, with nowhere else to turn, he ended up hanging around those types of people. Now, this is interesting because Bert was from Puerto Rico. He was an immigrant. He was a legal immigrant, by the way. And Legal? Legal immigrant, nice. yes. Uh, his mother sent him here. I don't think at the time she knew he had schizophrenia, but because of his schizophrenia, he did not speak. He did not talk very much, and he barely could speak English. And when he was hanging out with the drug addicts, right, they asked what his name was. And they thought he said Bert. So everyone started calling him Bert. <laughs> so uh, that's where you get it from Alvaro then. Yep. Okay. Because of his broken English. Okay. So, Bert. <laughs> because Spanish was his first language. So it's like I know, some alcoholics like, what is your name, man? Bert. He probably said Alvaro. He's like, okay, Bert. He probably, he, he probably burped. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bert. <laughs> Honestly, though, it's such a weird jump. Unless, oh. unless you know that backstory, like, why the fuck are they calling him Bert? Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> uh, Bert would often be sleeping in a shed provided by a company called Volunteers of America. While here, Bert would come into contact with a woman who worked for Volunteers of America named Judy Moisey. I think it's Moisey. Uh, Judy was adamant about making sure that someone of Bert's mental condition found a more permanent home that could provide for him because he clearly was different from all of the alcoholics and drug addicts. This is when someone recommended taking Bert to live with a woman by the name of Dorothea Puente. Hey, I've heard of her. That sucks that she's like seen as a Harriet Tubman figure. (laughs) As like a home for wayward people. It's like an underground railroad for... Mentally ill people, and she's just killing them. It's that's the thing. Like, you read the book, dude, and it's so many people are talking about her like she's just an angel. Mm-hmm. Like before they knew what she was really doing. Oh, absolutely. Because all the people in her house, she did. We don't want to give her too much credit, but she did. Outside of the ones she killed, she did treat a lot of them really good. Yeah. Fed them. Um, fed them. Clothed them. Yeah. Make them home-cooked meals. And a lot of them mentally did get better there. It's just there's, you know, secrets behind the curtains, obviously. Judy would eventually meet up with Dorothea. And after Dorothea told her all about how she had immigrated to America, just like Bert had, and concocted a bunch of other fucking lies. <laughs> Nonsense. Judy thought this would be the perfect environment for Bert and would give him a much better living situation than he he had previously had. Now, between the time Judy first dropped Bert off and placed him under the care of Dorothea, and the next time she came back to check on him, Bert had already completely changed his behavior. In a good way? In a very good way. For the first time since Judy had come to know Bert, he was wearing clean clothing. Wow. His beard was trimmed. He was eating three meals a day. Dorothea had him doing little tasks around the house, such as gardening, or he would help her cook. Bert was very proud of the fact 
that he had clean and trimmed fingernails. Hell Bur- yeah. Burr is literally like showing, look, Judy, look what I got. For a bird. Hey, at least he's happy with something, you know. True. Little uh, accomplishments, you know. Right. While this is all great, the most impressive thing was that Bert was actually able to hold down a coherent conversation with Judy. He'd never been able to do that before. Never. And most people said Bert would just sit there talking to, like, invisible people, basically. Maybe um, he would just never was sober enough. Maybe they were just he was just slurring all the time. Well, Bert and they didn't thought drink. he didn't speak English. Oh, he didn't. No, he was just a mentally ill man. Man who didn't know where to go, so he hung out with the homeless people. Yeah. Like because nobody else would take him. Exactly. It's Ugh. really sad. Honestly, it's really sad. But yeah, they said Bert would talk to Dorothy in Spanish, and then he would talk to Judy in English, and it was kind of Bert was doing great. That's great. Doing great. Yeah. Um, Bert had basically become Dorothea's little sidekick, accompanying her everywhere, including when she went to have a facelift operation because Dorothy had so much money coming in, she didn't see any issue with spoiling herself with a few expensive items. <sighs> this, uh, she, it's not going to help. She's a shriveled old raisin. Yeah, yeah. You can cut that skin, pull it back as much as you want. It's not... You're still a California raisin. (laughs) You're going to be singing. No, she's a Mexican raisin. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. She's a Mexican raisin. Raisino. (laughs) While this entire situation with Bert sounds like an amazing thing, Dorothea's true colors could never be hidden for too long, such as when she took him to the Social Security Administration building and pretended to be his cousin. (laughs) She had Bert spend a little time with the Social Security office's psychiatrist to prove that he was not mentally capable of taking care of his own finances, then under the guise that she was his cousin, took over full control of his Social Security benefits. God damn. That is... A lot of times she mailed in the form, but apparently here, <clears throat> she just like, I don't know. Went That's in there and brass did it. balls. Yeah. That is balls of brass. <laughs> As time progressed, Bert would essentially be fully under Dorothea's control and would perform almost any task that she desired, such as when she decided that she wanted Bert to dig a really, really deep hole in the backyard for a shade tree, as she claimed. I hope it's not for him. <laughs> Here about to mind now. Now, the interesting thing was that Bert would be up in Dorothea's room almost every single night. They would be playing her records so loud, they could be heard throughout the rest of the house. They always joked, uh, Dorothy must be teaching Bert how to dance up there. Aww. I don't know what else was going on up there, but whatever. Um, but what we do know is that after Bert dug that big ass hole, he started to continuously feel weaker and weaker physically as the days progressed. No. Additionally, Dorothea's interest in Bert began to wane, which caused Bert to begin to wander the streets as he had done previously. On one occasion, Bert decided to return to a detox center he, he used to hang out at to visit some old friends. Now, this is when he got to talking with a nurse complaining that he always felt so tired and would tell the nurse that mama gives me medication that makes me sleepy. Ooh, I don't know if you want to hear that. Nope. Naturally, the nurse took this as a red flag and immediately demanded Dorothea come down to the detox center and answer some questions. 
Well, when asked about Bert's accusations, Dorothea lost her temper and said, You want him? You want him back here? You want to tell me how to run my house? How to run my business? <laughs> you can have him. He is so much trouble. All day I'm watching him. You take him. He can come stay here and you'll see how well he does. Such a fucking Karen. The nurse then informed Bert of what his options would be at this point, but seemed to trust Dorothea's word over Bert's word. And Bert, not wanting to return to living how he had previously, just straight up claimed I'd made all of that up. Mama wow. was not doing any of that to me. Mama wasn't giving me those sleepy peels. Yeah, so fucking sad. Not long after Bert returned to the boarding house, Dorothea would invite him up to her private quarters one final time and drug him with a lethal dose of sleeping pills. After Bert was dead, she wrapped him up in the bed sheet and plastic cocoon as she had always used yeah. and proceeded to throw his body into that large hole that Bert had dug. That's fucked up. That's very fucked up. The following day, that large shade tree was planted in said hole. So this was like that thing you can do now where you can have your body in a pod mm. and it'll grow a tree with you. Yeah. I would kind of be cool with that. If yeah, that would be absolutely fine. But like, I want to agree to that when I die of whatever cause not have an old bitch kill me in her apartment. No, that's uh, that would be ideal <laughs> yeah. if you could uh, sign up for that pre-death. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, what was even more kind of fucked up, without even knowing, all of the other residents of the house actually would help Dorothea plant that shade tree. Yikes. <laughs> when while when they didn't notice Bert was around, they began to wonder, where's Bert? Bert was always with Dorothea. After they asked her, Dorothea began to cry and informed them that her little Bert had ran, run away in the middle of the night. But before leaving, Bert had informed her, uh, Dorothea that his sister and sister's husband had reached out to him and Bert had gone with them. Oh. He was going to continue his recovery mm. with family. With, under the care of his sister. Within just a few days of Bert's disappearance, Judy showed up to check on him. Dorothea would inform Judy that Bert, he'd just fallen ill, he was currently in his room, and you, you just can't disturb him right now. Even though Judy wasn't entirely convinced by this story, she would leave and plan on coming back another day to check on Bert. Judy would contact Bert's social worker named Peggy Nickerson. <laughs> Gotta be careful with that last one, that last name right there. Who said that Dorothea told her that exact same story. Whoa. As the days progressed, Judy repeatedly called the boarding house requesting to speak with Bert, but Dorothea just kept kept up the excuse that Bert, Bert was too sick to talk with her on the phone. He's too sick to hold the phone he's and too talk. Sick. It's just he's too sick to talk, man. Now, the glaring problem was that Dorothea knew she couldn't keep this lie going on forever. No. And if Judy did a little poking and prodding, Judy could easily find out about that whole scenario that went down at the detox center. Yep. So Dorothea started to tell Judy that Bert had actually left the house after he started to feel better she claimed that Bert's sister had shown up and taken Bert with her to Mexico, intending to visit some of their family. Now, Judy knew that Dorothy was lying because Judy knew Bert better than anyone and knew he was actually from Puerto Rico and certainly did not have any family members in Mexico. They get pretty pissed off when you try and think they're, yeah. they're they are Mexican or the other way or the around. Mexicans get pissed off when you think they're Puerto Ricans. The thing is, like Judy 
had spoken with his mother on the phone when he she was trying to like care with him, so she knows his whole Certainly. backstory. Yeah. So anyway, she knows all about the old Bert. schizophrenia. Judy teamed up with Peggy, his social worker, to try to figure out where the hell Bert actually was. When Peggy called Dorothea asking for Bert's location, she claimed that Bert was back from Mexico and decided to now start living with his sister in Utah. Wow, look at these changed sceneries. Peggy asked for his sister's contact information. Dorothea said, I can't give out any personal information to strangers, and then just slammed the phone down. How about that? Right to privacy. <laughs> yeah. We will not sell your information. <laughs> to his fucking social worker. I think you can give a fucking phone number I think out. you're supposed to if they ask. Now, Dorothea thought she was clever when she would hire a local transit by the name of Donald Anthony to do a little job for her and pretend to be Bert, Bert's brother-in-law. Donald would contact Peggy, acting like Bert's brother-in-law, claiming that Bert was, in fact, going to be living with them in Utah. There were two large problems that uh, stuck out like a sore thumb to Peggy. Firstly, Donald kept calling him Bert, and none of his family members ever knew him as Bert. Sure. The second thing was, before hanging up, Donald actually signed off under his real name. <laughs> Look, this is, you run into a little bit of a gamble when you trust the local drug off the street to pull a con for you, dude. I'm just going to say. That. Once again, my name is Donald Anthony. My brother is Alvaro Rodriguez. I can't remember his last name. Montoya. Montoya. <laughs> I'm his brother, Donald. This is Donald. Anthony. <laughs> talk to you later. <laughs> oh, idiot. sweet mama. Oh, sweet Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> they had had enough of Dorothea's antics, and the ladies decided to contact the police. Smart. Out of pure coincidence, the police would end up sending out Detective John Cabrera who had just captured a serial killer a year prior. Uh, the serial killer's name was Morris Solomon. Whoa. Never heard of this guy. Was he a Jewishman? I don't. Is Solomon a Jewish's <laughs> a Jewish person's name? A Jewish's name? <laughs> I don't want to say that. Jewish person name. Is a Jewish's name? <laughs> that sounds so bad. That's no. so funny. Oh, my God. Sorry, uh, our Jewish listeners. Sorry, Jewishes. <laughs> When Detective Cabrera arrived to investigate the home, everything seemed in order and all the residents seemed happy, almost to the point that it looked staged. Cabrera started to interview all the residents one by one, and they were all giving him the exact same story about Bert going to Mexico, then going to Utah. De Detective Cabrera was interviewing one of the last residents named John Sharp when John slipped him a little note. That note said... She is making us lie for her. Ooh, yikes. That's awesome. The following day, Detective Cabrera would have a secret rendezvous with John Sharp to find out a little more information. John started to tell the detective all about how certain people would disappear, after which could never, ever be contacted ever again. All the mysterious holes that had been dug out in the garden all the concrete being poured without much reason, and that weird rotting smell that Dorothea blamed on either the fertilizers or dead rats. <laughs> this was enough for Detective Cabrera to believe that he needed to launch a more thorough investigation. Good. Cabrera and other officers would return on November 11th, 1988, with shovels in hand. Now, 
they didn't have a warrant, but figured maybe Dorothea would just let them look around the house a little bit. And wouldn't you know it? Not only did Dorothea offer them, say, come on in, look around. She gave them coffee while they were doing it. Yeah, uh, she's just stupid enough to... (laughs) Oh, don't worry. She gets even dumber, I promise you. Honestly, she's just dumb enough to do that kind of thing. Cabrera noticed quite a few medical textbooks in Dorothea's rooms, especially ones that had their pages marked on specific medications. He also noticed that she had an abnormally high amount of prescription drugs, expensive perfumes, and expensive liquors. Cabrera then found a bottle of medication that was labeled Dorothy Miller. Oh, boy. Dorothea was quick to claim that that was just her sister-in-law's and she must have simply just left it at her house. Right, right, right. Man, a lot of sister-in-laws and cousin-in-laws. Perfect excuse, right? Now, at this point, Detective Cabrera didn't have much to go off. He didn't realize that at the time, Dorothy Miller was actually a missing person. And while the house had a lingering smell of rot, technically her explanation of dead rats could be plausible. Cabrera decided to push his luck and flatly asked Dorothea if they could dig around in her garden. Warrant. Warrant. Now keep in mind, Dorothea could have easily said no Warrant. and been well within her rights. Yes. Not to mention, there really wasn't enough evidence yet to grant Detective Cabrera a warrant to dig in her backyard. But for some reason, Dorothea Puente just gave him full permission to dig in her backyard. Uh, what do you expect? They are so stupid, aren't they? <laughs> aren't they so stupid, Cody? Is she, w- could she have been so full of herself that she truly believed they'd never find anything? That would be ridiculous. Like, you would really have to think you were a second coming or something. I think she's I think she's a narcissist, personally. So. I, it's ridiculous, yeah. Mm. Or she deeply, deeply subconsciously wants to be caught. <laughs> that could be, too. Now, the spot the police decided to dig at first was near one of the trees in the backyard. Perfect. As they started digging, they were uncovering pieces of clothing, little chunks of plastic, and something that looked kind of like leather mixed with beef jerky, which at first they didn't think anything of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what that is later here. It's pretty, it's people. So they kept digging deeper and deeper until they finally came on what they believed was just a thick root. (laughs) So they began to pull at it, and soon the thick root came loose. a leg, right? It has to be. (laughs) After looking closer at the root, uh, it became pretty clear it was actually a human shin bone. (laughs) Detective Cabrera had accidentally pulled the shin bone right off of the leg of a corpse. Oh, my goodness. Oh my I don't know goodness, how you Cody. mistake that. That's I shouldn't be laughing. Well, it's kind of it's a, like a Three Stooges moment, honestly. Kind of. You would see this in a cartoon. Yeah. Like we got to get this root out of here. Oh <laughs> shit! It's a leg. It's a fucking leg. I've been hacking at a leg. It literally said like Cabrera was pulling at it, and then like the other policemen were like, kind of pulling with him to get it out of there, and then he fell backwards. Like it's a fucking bone. <laughs> Hold on, this is gonna get even crazier. Naturally, Dorothea had been watching them, and after they found the shin bone, acted as if she was in shock. (gasps) Now, one would have expected Dorothea to have been arrested on the spot, but that didn't happen. The leading reason Detective Cabrera would later give was because he knew 
in this particular area of Sacramento, it used to be filled to the brim with exceedingly poor people, and it wasn't unusual for one of them to bury their dead relatives in the backyard because they couldn't afford any sort of a funeral. So that is a plausible reason. Okay. The other thing was that they were looking for the body of Bert, and seeing the decomposition of that body they had just uncovered... There was no way that could have been Bert's body. And obviously at this point, they're not under the assumption that Dorothea Puente is a serial killer. And also they just viewed her as a fucking frail old lady. Yeah. And they really didn't think she could get too far yeah. anyway, right? Well, especially manipulating all these bodies into yeah. the Rose Garden. and sh- that's Right. Not- we got to remember this body... Um, is under the peach tree. Remember the mm-hmm. the, the first shade, ba- tree. Yep. Not the not the shade. That's oh, Bert. Oh yeah. The peach tree is another person, and all the other ones are under the concrete. Right. So, the following day, they would bring in the backhoe to really start digging around in Dorothea's yard. <laughs> uh, eventually, they would uncover a woman's body, which, unknown to them at the time, was the body of Leona Carpenter. That leathery beef jerky substance they would later find out were actually pieces of Leona's flesh that had somewhat mummified due to the way she way her body had been buried. I don't know with the plastic cocoon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it said it turned it into this weird substance. Yeah. I don't know. I can kind of see it in my head a little bit. Yeah. Ah, uh, gross. The next spot the police were going to start digging at was under that huge concrete slab, the exact spot that Dorothea knew they were going to find several bodies under. Yeah, the bulk of them. So Dorothea would approach Detective Cabrera right before they were about to dig in that area and asked, am I under arrest? Detective Cabrera said, no, not yet. Dorothea then told him that she was going to go to a hotel and grab some coffee. (laughs) Cabrera said, that's fine. I'll even drive you there. Once she was at the hotel, (laughs) she went inside, enjoyed a screwdriver before hatching her escape plan. Good. Calm the nerves with a little vodka. Now, Dorothea knew how easy it was for them to track a plane ticket. So she purchased a plane ticket, headed for Los Angeles to throw them off of her trail, but then ended up taking a Greyhound bus to Los Angeles. I would have taken it almost anywhere the, else. This is where I'm like, <laughs> I why go anywhere else, you idiots? I, I, I literally such, throw a dart at a map, and as long I, as it doesn't say Los Angeles, go there. She's just such an idiot. I don't get it. But anyway, she eventually rented room 31 at the Royal Viking Motel under the name Dorothea Johannesson. Awesome. Under her ex-husband's last name. She is just so smart. She's such a fucking moron. While they weren't aware that Dorothea had fled yet, back at the house, they uncovered something quite shocking. Well, not for us. <laughs> no, not for us. Uh, pretty quickly after they dug underneath that concrete slab, they would discover all of the bodies that had been buried there. Within hours, they had unearthed a whopping seven bodies. Inside the house, they continued to search, but weren't finding a lot. They were just finding a lot of the same shit they previously had. But when one of them decided to move a huge rug that was in Dorothea's room... They found the floor was stained with a brownish color, a pretty distinct indicator of blood. Now, sure. this is weird. If she cleaned up everything else, why would she just put a rug over a blood stain? You know, have you ever seen Deadwood? 
I have. Do you remember how hard they were like having to scrub to try and get blood stains out? Blood out of there. I think in wood, I think like it's wood like stuck. this just kind of gets stuck in there. You have to replace the wood. And this almost has to be the blood of the person they dissected. Certainly. So, because that's the only one they chopped up. So, anyway, <clears throat> with all this mounting evidence against her, Detective Cabrera decided maybe it's time we should uh, arrest Dorothea Puente. The only problem was that she had ditched town over four hours ago. After releasing the prudent information to inform the public that Dorothea Puente was now a wanted fugitive, it became a very interesting manhunt. Mostly because when Dorothea's face was being posted all over the TV and newspapers, most people couldn't believe that such a frail-looking old lady could have murdered that many people. No, yeah. Uh, this went double for all those who personally knew Dorothea around the local community. And at this point, they also connected Dorothea to the murder of Ruth Monroe and Everson Gilmouth. Mm-hmm. So they connected mm-hmm. her to that. So Good. now she's wanted for nine dead bodies. Good. As no surprise, Dorothea wasn't exactly a master fugitive <laughs> and would only make it a whopping three days before being captured. <laughs> she's such a fucking moron. <laughs> She, in her purse, keep in mind, she has $4,000. Okay. She can get pretty far in oh, 1987 yeah. or 88, across I guess. the border. Idiot. Uh, as mentioned, she had fled to Los Angeles, more <laughs> specifically the downtown area. She was stalking the local bars looking for another sucker to rob when she came upon Charles, I don't know, Will Goose, Will, Will Goose, I don't know what his fucking name is. Uh, Dorothea was complaining to Charles that her bag had been stolen when she came to L.A., and worst of all, her heels were getting worn out. Oh. Charles, being a complete gentleman, ended up taking her to a local cobbler and paying to have her shoes repaired. Wow. It was pretty clear that Dorothea wanted Charles to invite her back to his house so she could then rob him. But according to Charles, something just didn't feel right with him. So he just dropped Dorothea off at her hotel. I mean, after cobbling her shoes, that's pretty nice. Yeah, he should have gotten laid, right? No, that's kidding. probably what he wanted. And then was like, <laughs> uh, The two of them would make plans to get together the following day instead. With Dor- Dorothea gone to her hotel room, Charles got to thinking a little bit and realized she did look an awful lot like that fugitive woman he had seen on the TV. For some reason, Charles decided he didn't want to call the police. Instead, he called the local press. God damn. He ended up speaking with CBS editor Gene Silver. After their conversation, Gene Silver ended up driving to wherever Charles was and <laughs> providing him a picture of Dorothea Puente, and Charles posit- positively identified her as Donna, as she was calling herself. Well, that's better than Dorothea Johansson. The fucking dummy. (laughs) (laughs) The following morning, Dorothea was awoken by a pounding at her front door. She was inundated by the press flashing cameras at her and a few police officers. One officer asked her to provide some ID, and in a panic, Dorothea ended up handing him her real identification. God damn. Wow. God damn. Jesus Christ, what a moron. After which, Dorothea was promptly arrested. After she was in custody, the only thing Dorothea would say, or the only things Dorothea would say, were things like, I cashed the checks, yes, but I never killed anyone. (laughs) Or, 
I used to be a good person once. It's kind of cryptic, that yeah. second one there. It doesn't make you sound too innocent no. there, Dorothea. Now, just getting Dorothea a trial date was quite a challenge for all involved because it prov- it proved to be very difficult to fi- find an unbiased jury who hadn't already seen the Dorothea Puente murder house story on TV. Yeah, it's pretty compelling. Yeah. Yeah. The trial would finally begin on February 9th, 1993. That's five years after it. Holy wow. fuck. Uh, Dorothea's defense was basically relying on their ability to convince the jury that she was nothing more than just a sweet old lady who wanted nothing more than to just help people. It proved to be a very lengthy trial due to all of the delays, the amount of time it took to go through, the immense amount of evidence, and all of the testimony. I think they said they had a 3,500-page something another to go through that's wow. a wow that's a fucking lot of pages uh it wouldn't be until july 15th 1993 that the jury would finally retire to deliberate that's five months <sighs> it gets even better the jury would return on august 2nd holy shit <laughs> to inform the judge that they were all deadlocked oh. on all nine counts of murder and wanted further instructions The judge had to explain to them again with more detailed instructions and sent the jurors back off to continue deliberating. They would return on August 26th with a partial decision. (laughs) Holy fuck. These jurors must have wanted just like, I don't know, you had to be bored to death, right? Seriously. Fucking A. They found Dorothea Puente guilty on three counts. As for the murders of Dorothy Miller and Ben Fink, she was found or she was charged with first degree murder. And with Leona Carpenter, Dorothea was being charged with second degree murder. I don't even know How? why. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Dorothea Puente was sentenced to serve a life sentence without the possibility of parole, after which Dorothea plainly told the judge, I didn't kill anyone. <laughs> it's too late, you dumb shit. Uh, at the ripe old age of 64, Dorothea Puente was sent to Chowchilla Women's Prison to live out the rest of her days. Some activities Dorothea liked to do in prison included making homemade snacks for her cellmates and prison guards uh, using a monthly $10 donation she received from an anonymous person. We don't know who was giving her this awesome. money. Uh, Dorothea also enjoyed reading crime thrillers as well as loved watching her favorite TV shows, which included CSI, Criminal Minds, and Cold Case. Wow. <laughs> She's probably loved hearing about herself, honestly. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Dorothea Puente, as no surprise, also decided to devote the rest of her life following the path of God. You have to when you're in jail. You would constantly see her at church services that were being held in the prison chapel. On March 27th, 2011, Dorothea Puente died at the age of 82 from natural causes, never having once admitted to murdering anybody. Oh, you're a real piece of shit, Dorothea. (laughs) You're a real using piece of shit. Honestly, God, she is such a fucking asshole. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah, you're the worst kind of person, and you got to die a fucking Martha Stewart-type figure at the age of 82. Still wouldn't confess. Even on her deathbed, she wouldn't confess. She probably had herself convinced that she didn't do it. Honestly, she probably didn't. I know. She's probably like, I was just taking money. I didn't kill anybody. Dude, she, from a very early age, she proved that she would, 
she was out of touch with reality yeah. and would make up her own to yeah. see her needs. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a bitch. Dorothea, no, you get the patented <laughs> from me. Patented wet fart sound Wet from fart. Me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, research assistant Kelly was telling me she watched something. I kind of heard about this, about Dorothea's grandson has her ashes now and, like, all this shit. Is he going to give them to Zach? I, I don't know. He probably should. But, uh... I was kind of like, does that make sense? Because Dorothea didn't want anything to do with her kids. So it's like he had to have actively found her in prison and then contacted her and like became friends, I guess. I don't. Or they release the ashes to To family. Yeah. Yeah, So this dude's really proud to have her ashes. So and I think he's convinced that she didn't kill anybody either. All right. Well, (laughs) she did, though. Yeah. Grandson, if you if you come across this episode, your grandma certainly did that. Uh, you can, it's it'd be pretty hard to have what seven bodies in your backyard and like they just accidentally got there. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. You know, her and Chief were having a field day. <laughs> Fucking what? What were the kid Calvin and Hobbes were yeah. having a real field day out there? <laughs> Puente and Chief. Yeah, it's like uh, when the Hound and uh, Aria mm. were rolling around yeah. together. Hey, it kind of is, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, Cody, fantastic series. Good job. Way to bring her into the station there. I like this a lot. Dorothea yeah. Puente, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you are a piece of shit. I hate you so much. I don't know if many people cover her, honestly. I haven't heard any. I haven't heard b- tied nor tail of her. Mm. Uh, everybody, look on YouTube. There is a video of the people who live in this house now, and they talk about, <laughs> I guess. Are they true crime fans? No. No, they they're just, just regular. The- I mean, they're weird as shit. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah. they're just like, it's a cheap property. We don't care if there's bodies yeah. back there. Whatever. Yeah. There's bodies everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can look that up if you want. It's uh, it's only like 10 minutes. kind of interesting. All right. Fantastic. Uh, if you guys liked it, fill out a form submission, bumblebuttpodcast.com. While you're there, click around, uh, buy a t-shirt, buy a, go to the Patreon patreon.com slash podcast. donate at any level this week sarah definitely did she'll be our guest on between the bumbles and she made that story about all of our pokemon cards oh yeah so that was pretty yeah Uh, another great thing you could do is follow us on spotify if you're not already that's the uh spotify revolution is over spotify is now the acting government yeah, they're basically Julius Caesar of podcasting application. Spotify wins. Mm. You won. You mm-hmm. know, I held out Spotify. <laughs> I did. I didn't want you to be the overlord. Now I do. Yeah. Now I love good. it. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. I. It just works. That's why I like it. Just I can understand works. being conquered now. Like when Xerxes would conquer or Alexander the Great would conquer. And I always figure. I was always like, man... How would those people that were conquered, how would they feel? I'll tell you what. Excellent. I feel better than ever to be Hell part yeah. of the Republic. Hell yeah. Spotify Republic. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Uh, if you like this episode, follow us on Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast and Twitter at Bumblebutt Pod. We would love to have you on board. Let's welcome some new Patreons to the Ooh, fold, shall yes. we? Yes, let's do that. All right. I'm going to start off by thanking Jimmy No Legs, Cody. He's back in the fold. He sent us a nice email as well. Yeah, let me read that uh, bad boy here real quick. Yeah, do it. Hey, guys. I really am so honored you gave me a shout out. Besides that, I feel grateful to be a new patron, subscriber. Love you guys to death. 
No legs. Thank, Thank you, Jimmy. You. No legs. I hope you get legs one day. One day you'll get them. Yeah. Rub some them. stem cells on them. <laughs> They'll pop out. Is that the secret to that? <laughs> yeah, you just rub them on the stumps and they pop out. Mm. God works in mysterious ways. That's right. You could, you at nighttime, you could contact Satanists. Maybe they can give you some legs. Oh, God. They're about to become more mm. powerful right now. It's getting dark right now. Oh, Adam's, it's dark. Adam's dead. I'm fucked. You do, I've heard the Satanists hang out at Taco Bell this late at night. Fuck! Well, so I'm fucked. triple fucked. <laughs> you're going to get hexed. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Bubble Butt Podcast. My name has been Adam. That's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right, everybody. You know what to do. Have a nice weekend. Unless it's Tuesday. Peace.